You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. Today, we're going to go out in the field, so to speak, and we're going to be bringing you another uh, waterfowl hunting habitat update. This one from the coast of Texas. I think the Texas mid-coast would be a bit more specific here, but we'll find out how much information we actually get from our guest. And that guest is someone that's been on the podcast before. Last year, he joined us to talk about some observations that he made down on the Texas coast with regard to some massive concentrations of redheads. And so, he was nice enough to join us then and has agreed to come back and give us an update here in the very first week of December. We're recording this episode here on December 2nd, just kind of for context. So with that, let me welcome in our guest, Andy Stetter, Supervisory Wildlife Biologist for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service down on the Texas Midcoast. Andy, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And uh, to... To start out, remind people what it is that, that you do uh, there with the refuge system down on the Texas coast. Yeah, so I'm a wildlife biologist here at Aransas National Wildlife Refuge, and essentially we're in charge, uh, me and another biologist are in charge of all the habitat management research and related monitoring um, on 116,000 acres. And so anything from um, habitat management, uh, invasive species management research, that kind of stuff. And um, we're pretty well known for the endangered whooping crane. And so we do a lot of work with them, um, capturing them and putting transmitters on them and doing aerial surveys and doing a lot of prescribed burning and habitat management is the majority of, of the work, as well as some moist soil management on one of our wetland impoundments that we have. And then in your free time, I follow you. Um, I know from following you on social social media that you get out in the field uh, as much as you can it looks like uh, and I'm envious of that I, I watch your picture I see your pictures and your experiences all the time and so you're making good use of your time there on the Texas coast I can I can guarantee you so congratulations for that and that's one of the reasons that we wanted to bring you on to provide this this sort of update on what you're seeing what you've experienced and what you've heard uh, as other listeners will know occasionally we connect with some of our state waterfowl biologist partners to hear the results of their aerial surveys we don't have that kind of data right now in this particular episode we'll probably Probably connect with Kevin Cry later in January to hear about the results of their midwinter waterfowl survey across the, the state of Texas. Texas conducts only one sort of statewide aerial waterfowl survey 
each winter, and that occurs in early January. So for right now, we just wanted to go to the field, bring some insights and updates to our listeners. And so, Andy, let's uh, start out with you uh, just kind of giving us uh, some context on what you're seeing. We can just start out with bird numbers. You can sort of step us through uh, how the season has unfolded. And perhaps to start with, this is what I meant to do here or wanted to do here is tell us where we are relative to the waterfowl hunting season there in, I believe it's the south zone. So start there and then just kind of describe generally how the waterfowl season has unfolded for you and your experiences. This last Sunday, the 29th of November was the last day of our first split. And so right now we're in a, about a week and a half long closure here in the south zone. Um, and habitat wise, it's actually been a really dry fall and, and summer, um, that being said. And so the conditions have been really dry. We did get a three to like five inch rain here on Saturday, which has kind of helped get some fresh water. But prior to that, the conditions were extremely dry. There was a lack of fresh water coming down into the bay system here around the Rockport areas where I hunt mainly. And so kind of what we've seen in the estuaries is there's been kind of a lack of the submerged aquatic vegetation in some of the, some of the areas and the birds have come in there, but we just haven't seen the large concentrations that those areas tend to hold. Um, and they kind of get shot out of there and, and it's not, tends to be as good as it has been in the past. Um, I also think that the areas probably just haven't fully recovered from Hurricane Harvey back in 2017, which brought in a lot of sediment to those areas and the submerged aquatics just probably haven't fully recovered from that. But um, as far as waterfall numbers, we had, uh, it's been pretty mild. There was as probably most of the the Midwest and, and other folks noticed, um, in like mid to late October, there was a real early cold front that kind of really pushed a lot of birds down prior to our season opening up on November 7th. And we had a great opener. Um, last year I was down in Port Mansfield and actually was not able to make it down there this year. We were going to do the same trip again, but my fiance actually had contracted COVID. She's an ER nurse. And so it was like a couple of days before I was about to go down there. And just decided that it was probably best that I didn't go since there was some older gentlemen that were going on that trip. And, um, and I just kind of quarantined. And so my, the first couple of weeks of my season, I was actually just hunting by myself because even my hunting buddies here, um, pretty much didn't want to be around me and thought that I was going to get them COVID. And, and fortunately for myself, uh, I never contracted it. And, and my fiance, um, had pretty minor symptoms and and only had them for about a week and was able to get, get back healthy and go back to work. And, um, but as far as waterfall numbers, yeah. Um, we had a great first split. Um, there were tons of birds around lots of big flocks of redheads and pintails. And then there were some really good numbers of widgeon and gadwall teal shovelers, model ducks and scop. And there was actually some snow geese and speckle bellies around. And we even shot a few canvas back, which was pretty cool. Um, but it did kind of, like I mentioned earlier, it was pretty much in the seventies or eighties. Most of the time we didn't have a whole lot of wind, um, and weather to push them around. So it did kind of get a little stale. Um, 
but there were still plenty of birds around. And if you're able to kind of put in your time and scout around and find them, um, ended up having pretty good hunts. And, um, there are a lot of airboats in this area. And so up on the islands, the barrier islands, there's a lot of airboats that go out there and push birds around. And, and there's just really not a whole lot of areas where they can, the birds can go where they aren't pressured other than the refuge. Uh, as you mentioned, I work at the refuge and that area is close to hunting on the blackjack and peninsula part of the refuge. And so there's a lot of birds that go in there. And, um, but we did get a cold front here this last weekend and kind of getting it right now. And so hopefully we'll have a bunch of fresh birds coming down for the second split and should have a pretty productive second half of the season, hopefully. Yeah, well, I hope so as as well. And I wanted to back up here, and I'm glad you mentioned that uh, your fiance is has recovered. Or is I'm assuming she's recovered. You said she only developed mild symptoms, I believe. It's Lindsay. Lindsay is your fiance, correct? Yes, yes, sir. Yep, and she did uh, did recover and back to work already. Good, good. And I know uh, I know she is your fishing partner. I'm assuming she also hunts with you quite a bit. So when she recovered, you she was able to go back out in the field with you. That's correct. Yeah, she does. She loves fishing. She's not super high on the uh, the duck hunting thing. She just kind of comes along with me because I drag her out there. But <laughs> we did get her out <laughs> on uh, one duck hunt and I had gone out in the morning and was fortunate to shoot my limit. And so it was just her shooting and uh, she was able to get a nice drake pintail and a widgeon. So she, she got out once and, and has been working a lot. They've been you know, with COVID and, and the ER and the hospital system, they've needed a lot of people to come in and work. And there's been short staff because staff keeps getting COVID. And so they've just been giving out some, some benefits for people to come in and pick up extra hours. So she's been, and we have a wedding to pay for. So she's been yeah. <laughs> yeah. making some extra money and letting me get out and play. So I, I definitely appreciate that. Well, good. And there's a story, I think, uh, that, that also involves her later on here that we're going to get to. Um, but uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, anything else that you might be hearing. You've kind of described some of your experiences hunting uh, and, and what you've seen with regard to birds. And I think you said that you're hunting, at least thus far, mostly hunted the estuary system, the bay systems. What have you heard uh about any types of, about hunting success, bird numbers, habitat conditions farther inland, maybe into some of the rice prairies. Do you have much of a, a finger on the pulse there? I do have a friend of mine um, that hunts just west of Houston, and I know they have quite a few acres of leased rice land. And I've seen some pictures from him, and they've been uh, hammer and quite a few snow geese and specks. And I think they pretty much try and target the geese. Um, but they do, you know, when the geese aren't around or whatever, they'll, they'll go after the ducks. And, and from what I've heard from those guys, like, especially right when we got that cold front in October, their stuff was just loaded up. They had like thousands of birds and, and I've seen plenty of pictures. I actually, he came down, the guy that I'm talking about and we got out in a good hunt. Um, but they've been having real good luck from what I've seen. I think, you know, they probably had a little bit of that lull too. Um, you know, it just kind of happens with that mild weather and, and your birds getting shot up. But, um, as far as I know, they've been doing pretty well. And then, 
um, just inland from here in the Rockport area. I know the guys that have permission on freshwater areas have been doing really well. And some of the WMAs that have freshwater, because it is so dry, the, the birds have really keyed in on that freshwater. And even on the islands where there's freshwater there, you, you'll see like hundreds to thousands of birds just all day dumping into those freshwater ponds that are private. And if you don't have permission, you can't, you know, cross land to go hunt them. So I don't have, I do have a buddy of mine actually that has a, a freshwater pond just off of Copano Creek. And we were able to go up there and hunt that and they had never hunted it. And I'm like telling them like, man, we need to, he was telling me about his freshwater pond and how they had never hunted it. I'm like, well, let's go try it. And so we went up there and, and took his girlfriend and it was the three of us. And we ended up shooting, I think nine teal and three redheads and had a great shoot. So, um, that was, that was my first time hunting freshwater around here. And, um, it'd be great to, you know, have permission on something like that, but it's hard to beat this area because all of the bay system is essentially public land as long as you're below the mean high tide land. And so there's, like you mentioned, I spent a lot of time out there. It's a big area. There's a lot of land to cover and, uh, it's, it's a really unique area and fun area to live because there is so much public land for waterfall hunting and fishing. So. Yeah, well, that's good. I was going to ask you a question about that. You and I think you've answered it here. You mostly hunt public land, and so that uh, the the stories that you tell, the the observations that you make are are the things that pretty much anyone can can relate to or can take advantage of if they put in the time and have the resources to uh, to get out there and uh, and chase those birds on, um, in the situations that, that you do. So that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I, and also I was your description of how people have, it sounds like people have been having pretty good success hunting there in the, uh, on the Texas coast is, is not, I guess that's probably what I would, would have predicted, I guess, just kind of based on, well, maybe I should say that doesn't surprise me too much because based on what I'm hearing elsewhere, how conditions are dry uh, in and have been dry in parts of Missouri, parts of Arkansas, parts of Mississippi, uh, not much habitat there. And then in Louisiana, um, had five named storms impact the uh, coastal portions of that state. And Larry reported a few weeks ago, the lowest count, lowest November count on record since they've been doing the survey. It's like those birds have to be somewhere. And I think, <laughs> think a lot of people were thinking maybe they're in Texas. And so I don't know that we can say all the birds are there. I think I heard some stories yesterday through some conversations I was part that there are certain places up in the Midwest, not not everywhere, but certain places up in the Midwest that are still holding a few birds. Uh, don't have much of a read on what's going on farther up in the central flyway, the mid-latitude portion of the central flyway. But it's good to hear that at least some of our expectations of perhaps decent success to good success on the Texas coast sounds to be uh, holding true based on your, your... You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Your observations. Andy, in, in your in your uh, job there with the service, uh, I, I know y'all, at least I think I know y'all don't do any 
uh, official waterfowl surveys, but you did mention that you do some surveys for hooping cranes. Do you uh, do you have any insights with respect to habitat conditions or concentrations of birds from any of those efforts? I'll just back up and just a hair and say that um, as far as like other guides and stuff that I'm friends with down here, I mean, they've been just hammering birds. So like, it's definitely been, been really good. Um, but I will also mention that, you know, I'm from Wisconsin and I have a, a pretty big group of friends that I grew up duck hunting with. And in early November, they were just hammering mallards and stuff. And it's really slowed down for them. Like they're all like, man, there aren't any ducks around. And so it seems like that early push kind of pushed birds through. And so they must be, you know, we don't get mallards here in the saltwater, but, um, definitely had a good group of birds for sure. Um, early on. And now with the, the transmitters, as far as the whooping cranes, um, are concerned, we've been seeing even them up on the refuge in the, the freshwater and the ponds and stuff. And so I think they're kind of feeling the, the drought type conditions as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of our transmitter birds are here on the coast or, you know, most of them have migrated down already. I think your story about what uh, what your friends were, were saying up in uh, Wisconsin is consistent with what I heard yesterday. And it sounds like maybe in certain, not across the board, but certain portions of that Iowa, Illinois, maybe that latitude into Missouri where there is water, maybe those places are still holding some birds, uh, some mallards perhaps, uh, a lot of the other less less cold tolerant birds have uh, likely migrated on out of those areas. But if we're talking about mallards, there might be some still lingering at those latitudes. So what else were you going to say, Andy? I was going to mention, you kind of mentioned other like refuge stuff. So um, we have our Myrtle Foster Whitmire unit of part of the refuge. It's just over 4,000 acres. And um, we don't really have a whole lot of water right there right now because we have a, a restoration project going on that we're partnering with DU and have a contractor out there and we're actually redoing all of our levees and water control structures and we had got some funding after Hurricane Harvey so hopefully and we generally do waterfall surveys out there but since we don't we're not really holding any water other than what just came in with this last rain which I was out there today and did see a good number of birds out there sitting in the sheet water. But, um, so looking forward to getting that project completed. And I know a lot of the the clubs and guides around that area are also looking forward to that with, um, an increased management capacity for, for our Myrtle Foster Whitmire unit. So that'll be pretty exciting. Good. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, that is always good news to hear about some improvements to habitat there on the uh, on the coast. Anything else uh, before we move on to this other story that I wanted to ask you about? It's a bit of a retriever saga that I wanted to get you to share some details on. I've been following it. Anything else with regard to habitat or waterfowl or the forecast or the, uh, the weather forecast sort of long range? What are you eyeing in terms of that? Um, I don't have too much more to add other than that. Um, I kind of briefly touched on this, um, that we're, we had a cold front this last week and in the next couple of days, it's supposed to be a North wind. It's not really, I mean, the temperatures are down, I think in like the fifties, which is not super cold for here, but it's means that, you know, it's colder up North. And so, so hopefully, um, 
we'll be getting some fresh birds down. I do want, if you don't mind, Andy, to to turn to this little retriever saga that you have shared in some respect, in some way on on social media. So you know, it's it's not like it's it's top secret, but uh, no, not at the, all. The, 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 the gist of it, I think, as I understand it, is that your your first string, we'll call it your first string retriever, um, has gotten injured. Is that, uh, I think I'm not too clear on, on what has happened there, what has sidelined that, your first stringer. Yeah, so it's kind of been a, um, a work in progress and I haven't officially like posted anything um, on social media because we kind of were working with the v- local vet here in Rockport. Mm. And so essentially what happened, um, she's six years old and it's been, you know, my dog, you know, growing up my hunting dog and stuff and, and just a great hunting dog and retrieved hundreds, if not thousands of birds and, um, trained her myself. And, um, anyways, long story short, we just, we, my fiance has two labs as well. And so where we live, I just take them out for a bike ride and just kind of run around the neighborhood. And, and I had trimmed her nails that morning before going on a bike ride and got back and her nails or she started limping. And I was kind of like, Oh, well maybe I trimmed her nails too short and she hurt it or whatever. And a week went by and she was seemed to be limping even more. And so went into the vet and they said, well, it's probably strained or sprained, which I was thinking she had tore something at that point. So it's kind of positive news or hopeful news. And so she said they recommended two weeks of limited exercise with a week of like painkillers. And so two weeks went by, no progress, took her back in and they ended up doing x-rays of both the front knees and she was diagnosed with um, degenerative joint disease. So oh my essentially she has, yeah, really bad, like mild to uh, extreme arthritis in both of her knees. And she's got a bunch of bone spurs in there. And so we, it, it was really pretty much the worst news we could have gotten. Um, you know, if it was a ligament tear or something that could have been repaired, you know, she'd be out for the season. But we, I personally and my fiance have kind of come to the the consensus that you know, and based on the recommendation of the vet that we went to and a couple of vets that we know that we shared this information with had all recommended basically retiring the dog and, Mm. and just essentially trying to treat and management the pain at this point. And so it's a, it's a major bummer. Um, and you know, we're, we're probably going to try and actually do uh, one more hunt. My fiance actually booked a photographer and we're going to film her last hunt this year and, and take her out one more time and try and do a, a Tony Vandemore, you know, video just to, you know, not that she's, you know, dying or anything, but just, we just, you don't want to like push her too hard and then have to like put her down early because she can't walk, even though she's fine. You know what I mean? So I'd rather just um, give her a good, good, happy life. And, and, and probably the other part of that, which you, you would ask is, so then my fiance has two labs, as I mentioned earlier, one mm-hmm. of which is from a very good hunting pedigree and she bought him from a breeder. And, and I, I could just tell, you know, being around him that he just loved playing fetch and just had a lot of drive. And, and in the back of my mind, I always had mentioned to Lindsay that, 
you know, Hey, I should train him up just in case, you know, shine goes down or whatever. So I have a backup. And, and so I ended up taking him out on like the second or third hunt of the year and zero, I did not train him at all. Like she trained him puppy obedience school Mm -hmm. and that was it. Mm -hmm. And the first duck that I shot, it was real foggy. Um, just had gotten set up and this widgeon came in just fluttering in the decoys and I shot it and he was sitting outside the little blind that I built and he's just looking at it and I'm like, moose. And he just went, swam out there and picked it up and brought it back. <laughs> like it was nothing. And I was it like, was well, instinct. Was yeah, totally <laughs> instinct. And, uh, and ended up shooting my limit that day and he had retrieved all six. And, and since then, um, you know, in the three weeks since that happened, to today, or maybe it's been a month. I don't know. Um, he's probably in the like 90 duck range. Wow. Um, so yeah, he just was, you, you could tell he just has it, you know, and, and, uh, it's really neat to see how he just picked it up. And, and some of the guys that I've hunted with, um, that now will hunt with me because they, finally don't think that I have COVID, but, um, yeah. <laughs> the guys that I've hunted with have all been really impressed, like, wow, you know, and, and so it's really, really nice to see. And, and so that's also part of the reason where, you know, we don't really want to push it with shine because goose is, you know, picked up right where she left off yeah. for the most part. And yeah. so we're not like trying to save my knees walking through the mud and, and, uh, so kind of lucked out in a sense. Yeah. Well, that was uh, a lot of things here. Uh, Andy, thanks for, for sharing that story. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't aware of the, the, the injury to, uh, I think you said her name is shine. Is that right? Yep. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, so I wasn't aware of that injury. Obviously you had not posted the details of that. I'm certainly sorry to hear that because that they are any, any owner of a dog or any other pet will, will tell you they are, uh, they're like a family member. They are a family member to us. And so, uh, yeah, certainly hate to hear of any, um, any kind of condition that develops like that, that limits their ability to get out and do what they clearly love doing and what you love interacting with them. Uh, and so, yeah, certainly sorry to hear you, hear that. I appreciate that. As you said, it's, uh, this point, it sounds like you're going to just sort of manage the rest of, of, of her life and which will probably not include a lot of retrieving as you, as you had been doing, which is unfortunate, but, but, uh, but also it sounds like you've got some good advice on how to move forward with that. But the, but certainly the, um, what you learned about the, uh, about goose is, was what was most fascinating to me that this dog had not been trained, uh, to in any type of hunting situations prior to this. And then, well, I think the last post that I saw most up-to-date posts for me would have been, you said it was up to like 75 retrieves and now it's even beyond that, which is just amazing. So all this leads me to now ask is, are you going to try to wrestle this dog away from, uh, from Lin- Lindsay and start claiming that's <laughs> <laughs> your own? Is it going to be your new, uh, you know, your, your new first string retriever, or are we going to be looking at some new dogs in the future? I will say that he tends to sleep on my side of the bed now more than he used to. Um, <laughs> but that being said, yeah, you know, it's, it's all so new and, and we've kind of considered doing a puppy, but you know, three dogs is just kind of a lot. And, and with him just picking it up, I think we're just going to kind of go all in on him. And then, you know, in a few years, once he kind of gets older, then maybe look at getting another puppy. But 
three and she also had two cats so we kind of <laughs> five animals is a lot and, and we're uh, kind of yeah. at our capacity for for dogs at this point well most people would say you just need a bigger house or a bigger yard right <laughs> yeah probably so <laughs> you can work on you can work on that i think if we came across a good deal on a good puppy it might be hard to turn down but um, so far so good with goose and yeah he's definitely um as far as football terminology goes he's definitely stepped up as the backup and has has been a great starter now so couldn't be happier with how he's turned out well that's awesome i'm happy that 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 worked out good for you and and again uh best wishes on on kind of managing um that ailment for shine throughout the rest of her uh, hopefully long and enjoyable life you know certainly uh, always always like to hope for that so Andy, that's that covers it here for me in terms of the questions that I wanted to talk with you about and kind of how the conditions are there on the Texas coast. Any uh, any parting words from you? Um, I just wanted to say I appreciate the you know the second offer to be on your podcast and um, best of luck to everybody on the rest of their duck seasons. Absolutely. Well, thanks for that, Andy. Best of luck to you as well, to Goose, Lindsay, and and uh, every part of your family. Shine and uh, at, as y'all go Nora. forward, even toward and Nora. Nora's the other one. Yep, yep. Well, very good, Andy. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to catching up with you again in the future. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. A special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Andy Stetter, Supervisory Wildlife Biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service down on the Texas coast. We greatly appreciate him sharing some stories from his personal life, as well as some update on habitat and waterfowl conditions on the Texas coast. As always, we thank our producer, Clay Barrett, for the great work he does with this podcast, getting them edited and out to you. And then to you, we thank you for your time and interest in the podcast. And most importantly, we thank you for your support, passion, and commitment to wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash dupodcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.